John chapter 14, starting at 15 and reading through 27. And this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear, they're not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. most at home? It's one of my favorite questions to ask people when I'm on a pastoral visit. Where are you most at home? Because when you feel at home, where you feel at home says so much about who you are, about what you love, and about what shapes your life. For some, the answer to where they're most at home is they remember the home they grew up in, the family they grew up with. Home is there and then. For others, it's the house they live in now with their own little family. For another person, where they're most at home is on the field playing soccer with their teammates. 
For another, people will name their cottage, or their favorite vacation spot. Still others will feel most at home in a kayak on a river or camping with friends. Because home is not a building with walls where people sleep and keep their stuff. Home is a space of belonging, of relationship, of love. Now, I thought we were talking about the Trinity. Why are we talking about home? That can feel very far from a doctrinal conversation about the Trinity and what we should or should not believe about who God is, three in one and one in three. The, the portion of the Athanasian Creed that Jenny, Isaac, and myself read together just a few minutes ago can leave us a little terrified with all its talk about perishing eternally if we don't keep and understand the trinity of the doctrine whole and unbroken as laid out by this creed. Because then it proceeds to lay out the doctrine of the trinity in a way that it establishes the boundaries of the faith, the, the lines that give shape to how we understand the Father and the Son and the Spirit. But then it also gives shape and boundaries in a way that can leave us scratching our heads and going, um, so just what do I need to believe in order to be saved? This seems important, but I'm not a philosopher and this gives me a bit of a migraine. And we can kind of walk away from it, kind of throwing up our hands and dismissing it as all just a little too heady. Just kind of leave it up to the theologians to bicker about it, to spill ink over and write PhDs and construct careers on dissecting this doctrine to death. And really, it won't change us that much, and we'll just go on with things that matter to how we live as Christians today. So what difference? What difference does this intricate and confusing and mind-boggling doctrine make for us now, for our sense of home and belonging, for how we live our everyday lives as followers of Jesus. In our portion of scripture this morning, we hear Jesus speaking to his disciples, gathered together for dinner, just a few hours before he was going to be taken from them, marched to a sham trial and to the cross. And the disciples know that this is a special kind of conversation, that, that something big is about to happen to the man they love. And they are afraid, and they're anxious, they're worried, and they're fearful. And they're trying to understand what's going to happen to them. They're trying to understand what's going to happen to the one they love. And they're trying to figure out how the future they expected to happen was crumbling in front of them. And looking at their anxious faces and knowing their troubled hearts, Jesus shares with them the mystery of who God is and who God is for us. Jesus speaks of himself and the Spirit and the Father. 
Jesus teaches them one last lesson about how love ties them all together. His love, the Father's love, the disciples' love for him, and then how the Spirit kind of holds it all together. And then there is this quiet promise, which maybe it caught your attention, your imagination, the same way it did mine this week. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. We will come to them and make our home with them. So the, the creed provides us with hard-fought lines of belief and boundaries around the mystery of who God is. Three in one, one in three, almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and the creed faithfully sketches out the parameters, parameters of our faith and of our God. But here in this moment, in, in this quiet promise of Jesus at dinner with his friends, Jesus invites us into the heart of the mystery of who God is and who God is for us. You will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus teaches his disciples in the face of their fear of being alone, of being abandoned, that God's home is with them. Not some fancy building or throne in the sky where God keeps his stuff and watches everything that happens, but with them in a space of love and relationship and belonging. Because as the doctrine of the Trinity teaches us, our God is relationship to the core. Three in one, and one in three. Our triune God invites us into that divine relationship, welcomes us in, welcomes us home, not keeping us at arm's length, but drawing us into relationship into love and calling us home. God calls us home. This past week, at a graduation ceremony at Wilfrid Laurier, just up the road in Waterloo, the commencement speaker went on for 25 minutes about the life and the work of Jean Vanier, touting the philanthropic work of this Canadian philosopher who fought for the rights of those with intellectual and developmental disabilities, 
who started a world-renowned and globe-encompassing charity called L'Arche, where those with disabilities lived with those who did not, who do not have disabilities in intentional community. And he also got the Nobel Peace Prize and a bunch of other stuff. So Jean Vanier, according to this speaker, was a shining example of what is possible, the heights to aim for as they look to set out to make their mark on the world, to shoot for greatness, and to change the world they live in. Which absolutely, Jean Vanier is a model, powerful. Except what do you think was the one thing this commencement speaker left out of Jean Vanier's story? His faith. His faith. It was 25 minutes of describing Jean Vanier's life without a single mention of Jesus or the faith that Jean had in him. Jean Vanier passed away earlier this year and there were more than a few obituaries, like this commencement speech, that mentioned his achievements and, and what he accomplished and, and his impact and his advocacy for those with developmental disabilities. They mentioned that he's a philosopher and a charity worker and a philanthropist, but no mention of his faith, his love for Jesus. None of it warranted a mention in too many of the obituaries that covered him. But to listen to Jean Vanier tell his own story, to hear about the beginning of L'Arche, the world-renowned globe-crossing charity that this commencement speaker was touting him for, was to hear about Jesus. About his love for Jesus and Jesus' love for him. To hear how God took up residence in his life, made home with him, and how that changed everything. Maybe you're familiar with the story, maybe you're not. But when Jean Vanier was a young man, he went to France to visit a friend. He was a naval officer, he was studying Aristotle, he was doing all sorts of things. And he went to France to visit a friend who happened to be a Catholic priest. And his friend was working with a group of developmentally disabled men. And Vanier saw the horrific living conditions endured by these men. Cramped spaces, limited interaction with others, and sometimes violence, and sometimes beatings. And God led him to do something about it. You would think, given what Jean Vanier achieved, that God gave him in that moment a big vision for what God was gonna do in his life. Gave him a vision of a world-renowned charity that would last for 50 years and beyond his own death. No. Do you know how Jean Vanier started? Following Jesus, knowing his commands to love, and loving Jesus himself, Jean Vanier went small. He invited two men, Raphael and Philippe, to live with him in a little cottage down the road from a big institution. And he called this little cottage the Ark, or L'Arche in French. 
And John invited them into his home, made a home for them, loved them, lived with them, cared for them. And they created a home together. He was as blessed and challenged by his two men as he did them. And they created a home together, a space of love and relationship and belonging. And from that little household of three, others caught this vision of community. They joined Jean and Raphael and Philippe, and large homes started popping up all over, from Toronto to Calcutta, from Paris to tiniest of towns in Iowa. Because Jean Vanier loved Jesus, knew his teachings and tried to live them out. And because God was at home in Jean's life. You couldn't make sense of his life without understanding that God was at home in his loves, in his relationships, and in his life. At, at one point, at the Larch was very successful, an American businessman approached Jean Vanier and said, give me the formula and I'll create 300 large homes in two years. What's the formula? And Jean Vanier had no idea what to do with this. He just shook his head because this, this American businessman just had no idea, did not understand that there's no formula to building the kind of community that people are drawn into. The kind of community that he lived into with these two men in his little household of three. Because home is not a building with walls where people sleep and keep their stuff. Home is a space for relationship and belonging and love. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Right in the middle of our portion of scripture this morning, Judas kind of raises his hand, hears what Jesus is saying, and says, but Lord, why why do you intend to just show yourself to us and not, and not to the world? In other words, Judas was asking Jesus, uh, why think so small? Why not go big? Show everyone who you are in an unmistakable way. And not just to 12 scared men in a rented room in a side street in a big city. Maybe Judas's question makes a lot of sense to you. Why didn't Jesus then? Why doesn't God now just show himself once and for all? Make this whole evangelism thing a lot easier. To trust, to know, to live, to change the world. Be a piece of cake. But how does Jesus answer? Jesus goes deeper into what he had already been saying. 
teaching about who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pointing Judas and us to the intimacy, the relationship, the love of God's life. Three in one, and one in three. And to our place in that divine life of love. Because God's desire for the world, for us, a desire that was revealed in the weakness and the vulnerability of God's body on a cross is not to force people to bow down out of fear, but to turn to him in love. And all those who follow Jesus, who obey his commands, are loved by the Father, are the ones who show God's love to the world by being God's home in the world. From a group of 12 scared and grieving men, God raises up a body of believers that spans the globe and time. From the faithfulness of one follower who invited two broken and orphaned brothers into his home, God raised up a growing global community that offers belonging and relationship and love to so many whom others would dismiss. Because when the triune God is at home in your life, in your loves, in your relationships, God is at work through your life and your loves, and your relationships, showing who he is, and who he is for us, and for the world. In an interview, Jean Vanier was talking about the smallness of L'Arche. It's relationships, it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's small communities of people gathered together. And the interviewer was struck by this, and answered in disbelief, small, how can you call it small? It's huge. And John gave this beautiful little vision of how the gospel spreads, how the love of God spreads. He said that what I sense for the future of our poor little world, with all its ecological difficulties and financial difficulties, that may be the big thing that's gonna happen is that little lights of love will spread over the country. Little places where people love each other and welcome the poor and the broken. Where we give to each other our gifts and just have these little, little places. We're never gonna hit the headlines, but we will be creating these little lights and if there are a sufficient number of little, little lights in each village, or each city, or neighborhoods of the city, well then the glow will be a little bit greater, and a little bit brighter. May you be attentive to the little places of love that God has already called you to. Whether that's your workplace, or your own neighborhood street, or sometimes the most challenging place is your own dinner table 
with those closest to you, your own home. May you be faithful to the work of loving Jesus, living his commands in those little places of love. And may you grow in knowing and trusting our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who loves you, who has come to you, who has made his home with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our God, who is three in one, and one in three, who is at home with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you this morning, your home, your people, those you love and hold on to. We are thankful for who you are for us, for the way you are with us, the way you love us. As we think about what it means that your home is with us, help us to see in our own little places of love where you're challenging us, leading us to welcome others in, to reach out in love, forgiveness, or healing to one another. So that by loving one another, we are loved by you and we reveal just a little bit more of who you are to the world, the neighborhood, the people around us. It's in the name of Jesus the Son, through the power of the Spirit, we pray to you, Father. Amen. Amen. Amen.